0: Sorry, I touched it, Davis. i will never touched it again. Apologize. Stop it. Gracious God, may the words that I say be acceptable and pleasing to you. Speak into our hearts now as we gather here to hear these words about what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and be given gifts. Gifts that perhaps that we don't know, perhaps gifts that we've forgotten, gifts we haven't used. Whatever it is, Lord, speak to us this morning and help us to understand better this great gift you've given us, this greater gift to do greater things in 2019. Challenge us, convict us, and guide us. And the people of God said together, Amen. So as part of his project for his science fair, freshman Nathan Zoner urged people to sign a petition demanding strict control or total elimination of of the chemical, the hydrogen monoxide. Many were shocked to learn there was no regulation of it, despite the following hazards. It can cause excessive sweating and vomiting. It's a major cause of acid rain. It can cause severe burns in its gaseous state. It is known to cause thousands of deaths per year when accidentally inhaled. It's a major contributor to the erosion of valuable topsoil, and it has been found in tumors of terminal cancer patients. Given those facts, would you be willing to sign the petition? You probably would. Of the 50 people Nathan asked to sign, 43 said yes. Six were undecided. And only one knew that the hydrogen monoxide was in fact what? Water. Hydrogen monoxide is water. Forty-three people said yes. But for all practical purposes, they were ignorant of that fact. The dictionary defines ignorant as knowing little or nothing. A person who has not had much to learn may be ignorant, but not stupid. The people of the Corinthian church were ignorant about spiritual gifts and the working of the Holy Spirit. The church at Corinth desperately needed instructions on this topic, and so do we. And that's where we pick up the story in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. You're welcome to follow along in your Bible in front of you. Follow along in the New Version Bible app, where I've put some nice goodies in there about spiritual gifts. Or just simply soak it all in, make some notes on your bulletin this morning. So as we move from baptisms and remembering our baptism, in case you weren't here last week, we'd be glad to during the communion time to remember your baptism for you if you just let me know when I'm up here and be able to get... How's your little guy doing? Does your little guy look like this? Or is it fully like this? If you let it go down, it'll keep going down until it becomes once again that small. Once you add water to it, just like your spiritual life, once you give the living water to it, it'll go back. So your job is to keep it as live as long as possible. Now, let's just say perhaps maybe you squished it on the way home, or you broke it. Then you can get another one up here, and you can try again. So as we move from baptism, remembering our baptism and the greatest gift, recognize that the gift of baptism—it's only the beginning. It's not the end of our journey we should begin to discover, or if it has been a while, perhaps rediscover our God-given gifts, equipping us for a lifelong journey as disciples. We were redeemed for a reason, and we're given gifts to fulfill a greater purpose. Notice verse 1 of chapter 12 as we start off. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. When we read 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, we see that Paul wants to make sure they had a proper understanding about spiritual gifts. If you're going to land somewhere and want to do more research, either here in the sanctuary or online, look up 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, and that's where spiritual gifts are talked about the most. This is a topic that is too important for believers to be uninformed, and yet many of us are across the entire Christian church. John MacArthur writes this. He says, No local congregation will be what it should be until it understands spiritual gifts. It's a big deal. Some polls have found that only a little over half of Christians believe in the Holy Spirit today. That makes sense in a world where we believe that if it is not concrete, it doesn't exist but the Corinthians had seen firsthand all kinds of supernatural gifts, like tongues, people receiving revelation from God. They should know better. And still they didn't. And so our focus today is to understand this second greater gift. To help all of us understand them. That what are they? How do we find them and use them? What spiritual gifts, what do they do? how many of us even know what our spiritual gifts are? I won't even have you raise your hands, but, you know, most of the time when I ask that question, someone says, I took a test one time, I think they're this, but we don't really know them. And if we don't know them, know them, we can't use them. And so I think the first question we have to answer is, what are spiritual gifts and what are they not? So let's start with what they are not. What they are not, this happens all the time. They are not natural talents. Talents and spiritual gifts are very different. Everyone, Christian or not, possesses natural talents. Talents give us self identity. Talents are often physical. Either you have a talent to play basketball or you don't. Some have a greater talent to do that than others. That's a talent, it's not a spiritual gift. We have talents to do things. Either you're musically inclined. Or maybe you're not. Or you're somewhere in between. But that's a talent. It's not a spiritual gift. They are not the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. No, they're not a coconut either, that's right. Like those mentioned in Galatians 5, the fruits are all for people who live in Christ. They are the expected outcome of God's work in our lives. Spiritual gifts are instantaneous and immediate. They come and are received in our baptism. The fruits are developed over a lifetime. They're not skills, because skills are something that we can all sharpen on our own. We can get better at a skill, because we can sharpen it. They're not strengths, although our strengths play an important role in the use of our spiritual gifts. So if you know your Myers-Briggs or your Strengths Finder or, or any numerous tools out there, that's not your spiritual gift. So what is a spiritual gift? One more. They are not a title. You can be a Sunday school teacher, not the gift of teaching. You can take up the offering, not the gift of giving. So what is a spiritual gift? Bruce Bugabe says this, They are divine abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body twice in this chapter. And in three other places, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Peter 4, the Scripture lists and speaks regarding spiritual gifts. There are about 20 of them in all. Here in Corinthians, it's obvious that they were involved in a dispute over the value and the primacy of certain gifts in their lives. And then apparently the church in Corinth had some people cursing Jesus and claiming that they had spiritual gifts to do so, which is what he's writing about, verse 3. And we're like, oh, that's horrible. But have you ever experienced Christians saying or acting out in ways that do not seem to be in line with Jesus? Have you ever done that? You know better you say and do things that are certainly not with Jesus? It's the same thing. We curse Jesus every time that we do something that's not in line with him. Because we go against what he's taught us and told us. And so Paul declares that those two things can't exist. You can't curse Jesus with your spiritual gifts. It doesn't work. And then Paul next challenges us and them to incorporate diversity in the understanding of spiritual gifts. In verses 4-6 through he says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. The key word of this passage is different. Say different. Make sure you're still awake. We all have different kinds of gifts. There are different ways to serve, and there are different workings of those gifts. And then he says, and there are different ministries, services, another translation says, and the same Lord. There's not just one gift that fits all believers. Not everybody who has the gift of administration does it show itself in the same way. Because you're still uniquely created. There's not one gift that fits all believers. Grace gifts are those divine abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service. This word really speaks to opportunities for expressing our spiritual gifts in practical ways. And the results that come when we use our gifts of meaningful service. Whether or not we're able to see the results, God does. When we use our spiritual gifts, God may see the results, nobody else. Or the community might see the results, but you don't. And then he says, and there are different activities, but the same God who produces, activates, another word, all of them. And everyone. We get the word energy from this Greek word, dynamis. When we activate serve according to our giftedness, God gives us energy. And we in turn energize the church through our service because we are gifted to serve in that way. And it just simply pours out of us. Spiritual gifts are important to the church and for the church. They were given specifically to assist in the mission of the church. Spiritual gifts are a working service to God. They are gifts from the Holy Spirit. And since they are given by the Holy Spirit, it differentiates them from a natural gift or talent or skill. Those things may interact with a spiritual gift. And spiritual gifts are often exercised in areas where a talent or skill already exists. But Paul explains that they are manifestations of the Spirit, not those things. For instance, all the time I'm always asked this question to people who are like in praise team, for instance. What do you think the predominant spiritual gift of somebody on praise team is? What do you think? Hannah, Dana. We're a small group today, so let's, uh, what do you think? The spiritual gift-wise. Because everybody thinks it's their musical ability. It's not. It's not. Nope, not even worship. Nope, not even service. It's usually exhortation. Exhortation is encouragement. Because we want to encourage with our voices. We want to lift people up. We want to, with our hands when we're playing, be able to make somebody be able to feel something, to to feel better, to feel worship. But encouragement, exhortation to encourage someone tends to be the primary spiritual gift of those on a praise team or in a music group. People in choir. Because you want to use that gift. And those gifts are definitely used for everyone. How about playing the best guitar riff? Singing the best notes? Making sure my voice is heard by everybody else's? All those things wouldn't be a spiritual gift. You see? They would be using our talent and our skill. See? Not a spiritual gift. And so they all have this unity of source. We all receive them the same way and we all have them for the same purpose. And God is working different things in different people. And then in verse 7, why do we have them? Paul says, A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person for the what? Common good. The community. Spiritual gifts are not about showing how much I can do, what I know. They're about the common good. The community. To do greater things for the greater good. Spiritual gifts enable us to do the work God called us to do. Each gift is different and useful. The gifts have no value apart from the giver. Each gift has a function for the benefit of all. And each gift has a primary function that resides in the work of the church. So then verse 8 through 10, he describes some of the gifts that are listed up here. And there are three different words used in the original Greek to describe our English word for gifts. Charisma, charisma, which means grace, undeserved favor, is found in Romans 12, and that's how the gifts are talked about, as grace. Pneumaticos, which means spiritual matters, things, found in today's passage. And Lastoria, which means gifts in a general sense, found in Ephesians 4, the other place. And so each list is different, but each supports the truth that each and every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift. People tell me sometimes I don't have any spiritual gifts. That's impossible. If you've been baptized and a believer in in the church and have become a part of that, you received at least one spiritual gift. Maybe more, but at least one. If you don't know that one spiritual gift, that's the place to start. You may then discover other spiritual gifts as well. There are many ways to categorize categorizing in the gifts of the Spirit. Chuck Swindoll, a writer, sees three different groupings based on 1 Peter 4.11, where it talks about the primary areas of distinction being speaking and serving gifts. So here are the speaking gifts, and I, I want to encourage you to follow along in your insert that was in your bulletin. If you didn't get one, then... If you'll lift a hand, we'll make sure you get one. I think everybody, hopefully except for Praise Team, probably didn't get one, obviously. Did you get one? Oh, good. At first I was going to read these to you, and then I decided that obviously I overload you with a lot of information. There was no point in doing that. But I want you, I wanted to read these to you, though. Here's the speaking gifts. Wisdom. Discernment. Knowledge. Prophecy. Evangelism, pastor, shepherd, sometimes that's combined, apostle and teaching. So you can kind of see those all relate to speaking in, in some way, communication. And then the service gifts include these things administration, leadership, exhortation, faith, giving. Helping, serving, compassion and mercy, and hospitality, even though hospitality is not really laid out. But I've spent too much time with people over the years to realize that hospitality is certainly a gift. Some folks are much better at hospitality than others. And it does make a big difference. And it's certainly talked about a lot, but not necessarily defined as a spiritual gift, but many places do define that. Then the third category includes the sign gifts. The sign gifts are not necessarily as present as the other gifts. But we believe in all of those in United Methodist Church. So we believe in these two miracles, healings, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And there's descriptions for each one of those on your insert as well to kind of look at. This is very basic. You can go much deeper online, very quickly. But this is a good primer, a good starting place. And so as we study this topic of spiritual gifts, it's important to keep in mind that we're commanded to do much of the things that are also listed as spiritual gifts. What I'm saying is is that just because you don't have the spiritual gift doesn't mean you don't help people. I'm sorry, I don't have that spiritual gift. I, I cannot help you. That's not how it works. Or giving financially well, I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have the gift of giving, so I, you know, I don't do that. That's not what it's saying. For instance, it may be also that, that it's very different. For instance, for some people have the gift of giving, all of us are to be givers of our resources, the kingdom purposes. Likewise, we aren't excused from our responsibility to witness just because we don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, I don't have that gift, so I don't, I don't have any reason to be able to share my witness. I don't know how to do that. That's not how it works. We're still called to be about these things. We just want to be better at some of these than others because we're gifted differently. See, the Corinthians had elevated some gifts above others and were giving more attention to spiritual superstars. So what happens sometimes is that one of these gifts rises above the others. It's like, oh, they've got the gift of evangelism or they can speak in tongues. So that means that they have a greater gift than I do. That's not what it means. As soon as you get into that kind of understanding of that, you've lost the purpose of spiritual gifts. That's what happened to the Corinthians. And so Paul challenges them and us to incorporate diversity and understanding. We minister differently because we have been gifted differently. The same God is at work in us, but God customizes the work through us for God's ultimate glory and the strength of the church. So even two folks who have the gift of administration may look very different in how that gift of administration is used. See, for example, imagine this: we're at one of our delicious dinners, you know, our big functions after you know church and everything else, and one of our big dinners. And suppose someone drops a plate full of dessert on the floor in the fellowship hall. That has never happened here, but it could. It could. There could be a a drink spilled at some point, food all the way across the floor. That would never happen, but if it did. You'd be the one to do it. They'd be the one to do it. So, this is how folks' different gifts would respond. And it really is the way this works. Because you watch this, it's really funny. The gift of prophecy. That's what happens when you're not careful. Okay? Gift of service. Oh, let me help you clean that up. The gift of te- Teaching. The reason that it fell was because it was too heavy on one side. You've already analyzed exactly why it, didn't, why it fell over in the first place. You had too much food on it. The gift of exhortation. Next time, maybe you should let somebody else help you carry that. Gift of giving. Here, you can have my dessert. The gift of mercy. Don't feel too bad. It could have happened to anyone. The gift of administration. Jim, would you get the mop? Sue, please help pick this up. Mary, could you help him get another dessert? Tongue in cheek, but it is the way it works. Our our brains will focus naturally towards the spiritual gift that we have in that moment. I'm not likely to be the one that's going to say, that could happen to anyone, sure. I'm probably the one that's already figured out why it happened. And I've already said, hey, let's clean this up. You know? That's how our, our brain works that way. So in a natural moment, we're going to be the way that God has given us the spiritual gifts. And we've all been given different, gifted differently, and so we act differently, we serve differently. And it says that the church has every gift that is needed in order to function as a biblical community. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians seven says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So that means that every one of these spiritual gifts is somewhere within our congregation. Untapped. Unused. And this verse is written to the entire church at Corinth. Even with all its problems, this community of faith did not lack any spiritual gifts, even though it was misusing them and misguided and he says, all of these are activated, that word again, activated, by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. You don't get to sign up for your spiritual gift. You don't get to choose one and be able to trade one to, your, to the person you don't like. I don't like this gift. Can I get your gift instead? It's not a white elephant game. It doesn't work that way. These gifts are given to you as the Spirit cho- chooses. And so it may be that one person has one gift, one person has ten gifts. That's up to the Spirit. It's not up to us. And it doesn't mean the person with ten gifts is more important or more spiritual than the person with one gift, or two gifts, or five gifts. You see? Activation of your spiritual gift, though, is essential. If you don't activate your spiritual gift, you really can't use it. And what good is a gift if it's never shared for the good of others? I bought you the best gift in the world, but, you know, I really like it. I don't, I'm not going to give it to you now, Debbie. It's awesome. You really should have something like this. It's really good. No. Yeah. I, mean, I, should, I really should give this to you, but I really like it a lot. I'm not going to do that. That's not how we give gifts. That's not how we're wired to do things. Who has a debit or a credit card in this room? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. When you receive a new card, you'll find a sticker on it, right? You get your new card, and the sticker's on it, and it's still, you know, and it has, I have my wallet today. I don't know why I have my wallet. I usually have, don't have my back pocket, but I guess I do. So when you receive your new card, it has a sticker on the back of it, and it's to do what? What do you got to do if that's the card? You got to activate it, right? If you don't activate it, You can't use it, right? So you have to call a number, or go online. You ever taken that card and gone, you know what? I'm just not going to activate this. I'm just going to stick it in my wallet. And I'm just going to just let it sit there. And then when I go to use it, you know, hey. Now if you want to use the card, if you want to use the card, you're going to activate it. Most of us will make sure to do it really quick because we'll forget to do it. And so you want to get it done really quick. So why do some of us clearly recognize a spiritual gift then? No, we have at least one and we leave the sticker on it and we never activate it and we just set it off to the side. Pastor Rick Warren said this about spiritual gifts and I love this quote. He said, God gave me a gift, not for me, but for you. And God gave you a gift, not for you, but for me. If you don't use your gift, you're depriving me. And if I don't use my gift, I'm robbing you. That's what it means. These spiritual gifts were given to us by God. A free gift. One of my favorite quotes in this Martin Luther King weekend comes from Howard Thurman, who is a theological theologian, educator, civil rights leader, philosopher. You've seen some of his quotes on Facebook. You've shared one about Christmas and keeping Christ in Christmas one with all the stars in the background. That's Howard Thurman, African-American. He's actually the one, one of the people who actually was a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. He actually set him on the path that he was on. And Howard Thurman said this, Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. And go and do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. See, the same is true for our spiritual gifts. The world, our church, our community, your family, your workplace doesn't need you to do tasks for which you're not gifted. Don't do things for which you're not gifted, it won't help anybody. And you'll do a miserable job at it, too. I've spent my career and my life figuring those things out about myself, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at when it comes to my spiritual gifts. The world, our church, our community, our families, our workplace, needs you to discern what gifts you've been given and then activate them to the fullest for the common good. The world needs more people who have come alive who have been activated by God's Holy Spirit, who are ready to do greater things in their lives and the lives of others because they are using their spiritual gifts. Now you begin to wonder, if you're looking at the app, if you're looking at the Version Bible event, you'll see there are three spiritual gifts tests. You can take any one of them. The first one could just do you just fine. But you may want to take a couple just because you want to compare your results to it. That's one way to figure some of these things out. Another way is to listen for it. Listen for it. Listen to God help you to discern through the power of the Holy Spirit. God will help you discover it using some of the tools that I'm going to send to you also during the week or also just people around you will tell you, you know what, you've got a real gift for that. What is that gift? You know, how does that... Operate in us. You may already know what your spiritual gifts are. That's good. Then keep sharing it. Actually use it. Use them. All of us, though, should be on the lookout in each other for the spiritual gifts. Because sometimes it's from the outside. People can see more about us, what our spiritual gifts are, than we can. For instance, you know, over the years of doing this, if you walk around every staff person's door, you will see their spiritual gifts on their door. Walk around sometime. Look at all the doors. See what the gifts that are of the people who are gathered here and who do ministry together. My top spiritual gift is administration. Is anybody in this room shocked by that? In any, at the least... Because even if you don't know me, know me, you know through what I do that that's who I am. My second top gift is teaching. Anybody shocked by that whatsoever in the room? So much so that my teaching gift sometimes gets in the way of my preaching. It's a hard balance when you're gifted to do something. And my third is Pastor Shepherd and leadership. Only ten percent of pastors the leadership gift. It just flows out of what I do and how I operate. You know, my least gift is mercy. Doesn't mean I don't care about you. Doesn't mean that I'm not there for you. It just means that I'm not that person who goes in sacrificial ways to make sure. I'm the person that forgets to call people in the hospital or visit them. I'm the person who forgets to follow up weeks later on somebody. Louise has a much greater gift for that than I do. And so instead of berating myself and like I did in my first years of ministry, I have had to learn how then to be able to surround myself with folks who use their gifts so that they're using what they have. And not say to myself, like I did in my first couple of churches, like, I'm just no good at this. Why am I so bad? It's not who I am. You see what I'm saying? But until you know that about yourself, you're going to try to keep doing things that are not who you are. And you're going to do really bad at them. And you're going to struggle. Instead of knowing that this is your spiritual gift, and you're just not so good at this. And then you can help to be able to, to know that about yourself. So when people come to you and they say things about you that are hurtful, or things about you in your ministry, or about you in your personal life, or whatever it might be, or about you in the community, like, why don't you get in there and help do that? You can know about yourself to know that this that's not where I'm gifted. That's not how how God has wired me, but I'm over here. You have the gift of prophecy or discernment or wisdom or giving, serving, speaking in tongues, whatever it might be. Knowing your gifts can help you then to be able to understand better how God created you and gifted you. And you can get by a lot of the other stuff that tends to to tear us down. So I really encourage you to take one or more of those surveys. If you're a person of administration or teaching, probably, you'll take all three. That's how you're wired. But I hope that they help in some way. So let's close together in a word of prayer. And let God's Holy Spirit speak to us this morning. Dear God, thank you for giving each person in the church a spiritual gift. Open our eyes and ears by your Holy Spirit so that we will notice the spiritual gifts that you give to us and others. Help us to be generous and share these gifts to build up your church. Help us to to know your presence in our lives and find these gifts that we know that we have. Help us discover them in ourselves and in others around us thank you for these greater gifts that can do greater things for you and for the church and for our Good Shepherd community. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, the people of God said together, Amen. (coughs) The disciples were a mixed bag, remember? We can all go, wow, I want to be like Peter. And then the next breath, I can say, I don't want to be like Peter. I can say, well, you know, wow, Thomas is a really bad guy because he doubts everything. And the next breath, I can say, you know what, that's kind of like me. Because he was an analyzer. He examined things. See, every disciple was different. Jesus didn't call everybody to be the same. Like, oh, you guys are all spiritual guys, so I'm going to bring you all in. And we're all going to have the same experience. They're all over the place. The same as we are today. And yet he still loved them. He loved them fully. With their brokenness and different giftedness and everything about them. He loved them. And gave his life for them. God's people are so varied and so different. If we've never learned to be able to accept one another at the place of where God has gifted us and given us life, it could change the entire world. Instead of trying to figure out who's better, who's bigger, who has more, rest in God's presence, rest in God's giftedness, and live out of those gifts Make it the sweet spot in your life, the purpose. And so as you come forward this morning, I, I encourage you to let this wrestle with you, to not just push it off and, and not think about it again. Or take one of these tests and then go, wow, I've got all my things written down. Which, by the way, you know, when Shelly begins to make phone calls to everybody, she's going to ask you what your spiritual gifts are too. We're going to record those and be able to have a a database of those things so we can say, you know what, I don't need to put so-and-so over here into this particular role because they're going to burn out. You see? But maybe somebody gets a teaching they're not using it. They don't realize it. People see it in them, but they haven't really found it in themselves. Then we can begin to help develop that. You see? All these gifts are the same way. So I encourage you to not just take the test and then put it off to the side and say, wow, in two weeks you have no idea what you even had. Do it and then follow up on it. Read more about it. Pray more about it. Use it as part of your 555. So would you come forward to do that this morning? I hope you'll think about those things. Also, as I said earlier, weren't here last Sunday remembering your baptism. I would be glad to do that here. And also for you to be able to re- get one of these on your way through and pick one up and do that as well. Invite those who are coming forward to serve, to come forward. I think we're going to have one station right here. Two? to do two. All right, good for you. Don't bow into it. Let's pray over this bread and this juice. Gracious God, may this bread and this juice be for us the reminders of your great gift to us of your life. You lived through your life to what you were called to do and what God gifted you to do, which was bring the word, to bring wholeness, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness and redemption. And so Lord, as we receive these things this morning, let's remember your great gift to us As we use the gifts that the Holy Spirit, whom you sent, gave to us at our baptism. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. People of God said together. Come forward, receive, know that God loves you and God has gifted you. Come forward.
1: You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give life. And all the
0: gifts are a way we say thanks to God. Thank you, God, for giving us this gift that I can use for someone else. You ever want to do something for somebody else? You're like, I wish I just knew what it was that God called me and gifted me to do. What is my purpose? You won't know your purpose until you know your spiritual gift. There's no way. So look for your spiritual gift and you will find your purpose and how you can help somebody else to use them. Use the tools that we have. Those of you watching us online, use the, the app new version bible event has those same tools spend this week finding that greater gift those greater things that you can do in 2009 be on fire for god do what you're passionate about and use your spiritual gifts for his glory amen
1: your bad